0: Season 4, Episode 4 of the Birding Life Podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm your host on the podcast where we discover birds and the people that pursue them. The Birding Life is proud to be associated with Sarovsky Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, binoculars, and spotting scopes, as well as the Birdlasser bird logging app. Spot, plot, play a part. Download and install the app to play your part in social conservation. So, what do you know about the prairie wetland system if you're anything like me you probably don't know that much about this important ecosystem and this is what this week's guest hopes to change through the release of a new film i chat to chris dorsey the executive director of wings over water the stunning 3d imax film that celebrates the magic of the prairie wetlands in this episode you'll hear not only about this exciting film release But why protecting this ecosystem isn't only important for North America, but for all of us that love birds and nature. Please take some time to visit our online store on our website. We sell optics, books, art and more, all to help you as a birder. If you need further assistance about products or anything else around the birding life, drop us an email on info at thebirdinglife.com and we will get back to you. So, without further ado, let's dig into this week's episode. So let's start by finding a, a little bit more about you, Chris. Um, how has your personal journey shaped the types of movies and shows that you make?
1: Yeah, you know, I've been in the outdoor television business now for about 20, almost 25 years. And prior to that, I had a career in the magazine business. And, and uh, so I still kind of describe myself as a recovering magazine editor. And, and I've always loved the outdoors and, and uh, wildlife and conservation. I've got degrees in English and natural resource management from the University of Wisconsin at Stevens Point, which is a big, it's the second biggest, or actually maybe the largest now natural resource college in the United States, would which would make it the largest in the world, you know, producing biologists and scientists and wildlife managers, et cetera. So I, you know, I've always had a passion for that. And, and so for me, it's always been, how do you avoid honest work? <laughs> and that's, that's really as simple as blending avocation with vocation. And, uh, and I started writing at a young age and at the university for state magazines, for for national uh, magazines like Field and Stream and then Sports Afield and some of those titles that are old line outdoor adventure magazines in the United States. And then uh, started running various magazines and ran all the marketing communications at a group called Ducks Unlimited, which is, uh, I think it's now the largest of the of the conservation-based, not environmental, but conservation-based organizations. They've got about 700,000 members in the U.S. and Canada, and they do work across North America for migratory birds, principally ducks and geese. Uh, But a lot of their habitat work, of course, benefits uh, a multitude of species, many of which are endangered and and threatened as well. So uh, in fact, once upon a time, I took the, uh, when I was at Ducks Unlimited, I took the president and the chairman of the board of DU to South Africa. And we did a uh, more game birds for Africa, kind of a convention down there. And and uh, the leadership of Ducks Unlimited spoke down there, talking about the model and and how DU had been formed by the private sector, by essentially duck hunters who wanted to preserve these migratory birds and the habitats that, that were so important to them. And uh, so, yeah, it was a great uh, old friend of mine, Alistair McLean in South Africa was a key part of that. Peter Johnson, some of these guys in South Africa that have been around the sort of the game bird world for a long time were, were really key to kind of bringing this thing together in South Africa. So it was fun to be a part of that. I've spent a ton of time in South Africa. I think we've done probably 40 or 50 shoots in, in South Africa over our tenure uh, here. But, but that's sort of you know, led into kind of mainstream cable television in the United States for Discovery Channel, History Channel, uh, HGTV, all these channels now that are cable that are, are essentially in about 170 countries of the world, courtesy of Discovery's uh, distribution platforms all over the planet. And uh, that kind of led in into this greater discussion about this film called Wings Over Water. And, and the genesis of that really was, was a big meeting in Chicago at the Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation and uh, Charlie Potter, who's uh, one of the real conservation leaders in America, particularly in birds and waterfowl, convened this and it was the leadership of Ducks Unlimited, Ducks Unlimited Canada, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, the Canadian Wildlife Service. And so it's very much a private, public sector meeting of the minds as to what can we do to really celebrate the success of what, what we call the North American Wetlands Conservation Act, uh, where we've, we've pumped in billions of dollars, U.S. taxpayer dollars, principally, and private sector money into Canada to really preserve this magical place called the Prairie Wetlands. Now, if I asked you, Adam, you know, have you heard of the, the Prairie Wetlands? Maybe as a birder, you have, but truly 99% of Americans and North Americans have never heard of this ecosystem yet. It's this 300,000 square mile, amazing oasis of bird life, because it was created by the last ice age, when the when the glaciers descended down, and they they dozed and they. They carved and they scraped just myriad potholes. So what you see if you fly over this 300,000 square mile prairie wetlands ecosystem is nearly an even mix of land and water. And it's that grassland associated with the water that creates this amazing bird nursery, really the the richest bird nursery on our planet. And, uh, And yet nobody knows anything about it. So if you ask an American, a North American, you know, a South African, Have you heard of the Amazon? Everybody's going to say, of course. Have you heard of the Serengeti? Of course. Maybe have you heard of the Everglades? Most would say yes. But have you heard of the prairie wetlands? Very few have. Now, duck hunters, uh, you know, the the few million duck hunters in in the United States and Canada will know all about that because it's so important to producing ducks for hunting, et cetera. And, And those duck hunters are really the basis for the funding for Ducks Unlimited uh, they really are the basis for the funding of the U.S. National uh, Wildlife Refuge System because every time you hunt as a as a duck or goose hunter in in the United States, you have to buy a federal migratory stamp, and that money then goes to fund the the National Wildlife Refuge System, which is millions and millions of acres across our country. So that's they would know about that, but the average citizen wouldn't. So. Well, then, then the question becomes, why is that important, right? And uh, if you talk to guys like David Attenborough uh, of the BBC, you know, his bottom line is is nobody nobody protects what they don't care about. And and they're not going to care about it if they don't know about it, if they don't understand it. So our job as communicators and biologists is to really celebrate this magical place so that people know and they really understand in a meaningful way just how important it is for For migratory birds. And some 70% of all the water birds in North America are actually produced in the prairie wetlands. So without those important prairie wetlands, we don't have these massive fall migrations, spring migrations. We're not not looking at at these wonderful birds up and down the the continent. And, And it's something like 220 species of birds that depend on the prairie wetlands. So it's it's critically important, and this meeting in Chicago that that was really the genesis of this film was was right on the heels of a big Cornell uh, lab report, which is the Cornell University, which is the best known bird lab in in the world, and they've done more research and they they have quite a brand when it comes to to managing and and uh, looking at bird populations across the globe. They did a a long term study and determined that. Since nineteen seventy in the United States, we've lost in North America rather, we've lost three billion birds. We've lost almost a third of our entire continental bird population. And a big chunk of that is because we're we're losing wetlands, we're losing portions of the prairie wetlands, which is disrupting these ecological bonds that have existed for millennia. And that's that's the basis of the film, and that's kind of a, the long answer to uh to, to the why of the film.
0: I think Chris, as a South African and I can imagine there'll be listeners who listen to this and I don't know about the rest of the world, but as South Africans, you know, duck hunting is not something that is that big in in our country. And what I find quite interesting is when I went through the the sponsors who were part of the project, there was Ducks Unlimited, which is duck hunting and Audubon, which is when a lot of people know them as the conservation side of things. And it's interesting that it's almost like I had to wrap my mind around it, that I, that duck hunting Actually
1: contributes towards the conservation of birds in the u s. hundred percent. And in fact, I would argue as a as a biologist that it's the voice that that sportsmen that hunters have have brought to the equation as much as the money uh, that 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 leadership has really transformed kind of this this model of conservation in the United States and Canada. And, uh, and and you go, you go back to the genesis of a group like Ducks Unlimited, it's on the heels of the, the great Dust Bowl. You're, some of your listeners might not understand that. But back in the 30s, there was a massive drought across the really the whole middle part of, of America and, and stretching into uh, the southern parts of Canada that, that caused our topsoil because of the mow board plowing, just the general plowing. And, and the winds came in and there was no moisture in the soil. And you had these massive storms of of silt, basically the richest silt in in North America, blown all the way to the East Coast. It it was darkening the skies over over Boston and New York, et cetera. And it was this awful situation. And and finally, you know, we saw the 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 waterfowl population shriveling up because the wetlands were disappearing. And and these people came together at a big meeting in New York. And said, "Look, we have got. I think it was called More Game Birds, or, or something like that. That was the genesis, the original name. And uh, and they they met on the East Coast and determined that, look, we have got to we've got to go forward and save these amazing ecosystems, the Prairie Wetlands, which is the duck factory. It, it's often called the duck factory in North America because so many birds are are produced there." And uh, and that was really the genesis of the whole thing. And since then, DU, for instance, Ducks Unlimited, has conserved 15 million acres, principally in the prairie wetlands. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's been hugely important to, to keeping migratory birds intact across the continent. So it's very logical to me. It's very logical to me that hunters would want to do this, right? I mean, they want more birds to come down. But in the process of saving that habitat... They're saving hundreds of other species. And, and that really becomes the key to 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 kind of the future of birds in North America. And, and, and hunters have played a key role in that. Like you
0: said at the beginning, I knew nothing about this this area in America. It was uh, I got to watch the movie today. I think I was one of the first South Africans to watch it. So it's a huge privilege. It's been a, and, and let me just say, it's an amazing, amazing movie. I can't wait for people in South Africa to be able to watch it because it's a visual spectacle. Um it's really an amazing. But what what I find very interesting is like you spoke about the the fact that a lot of Americans and outside of America, I think even less people might know about this, this wetland system. This wetland system is bigger than the state of Texas, which is, you know, from what I understand, it's quite a big state. And there are more birds in this area than people in the whole country. I mean that just shows
1: the importance of this wetland system. Yeah, I mean it's it's something like 25 percent of all the wetlands in the world are found in Canada, and uh, and and so when it comes to amazing bird life and and water bird production, there really is no place like it on the planet. It's it's an absolutely extraordinary, unique uh, habitat system, and it's it's so important because we have these migratory flyways. You know, you have this. Winter that descends from the north and comes down, freezes that ecosystem, forces these birds down to warmer climates to to find open water and food and and shelter, et cetera. So it creates this massive continental flyway and and migratory phenomenon. So it's incredibly important, obviously, to bird production and other species across that. But it's also tremendously important for our, our groundwater aquifers. You know, we we recharge our groundwater through these prairie wetlands, and this is on a continental scale. And it's also sequestering massive amounts of carbon, taking pollution out of the atmosphere, giving us clean air in return. And that's a that's a pretty good deal. So it's it's super important, sure, for migratory birds, but it's important for humans, it's important for all of us. And and the challenge is we have, you know, it's a very rich agricultural area as well. And we've got to feed a hungry planet. So the the dance we're doing as conservationists is really, you know, how do we how do we make sure that we can have food production, but we can also have bird production. We can have both if we're smart, if we're nuanced about it. And that's really what Ducks Unlimited, I think, is and more than anybody is, is working on in the prairie wetlands and doing really an extraordinary job. And And you'll see in the film, as you did see in the film, you know, farmers are going to play, ranchers are going to play a really important role in the future of bird life in North America, whether they know it or not. And and so we've got to engage them. We've got to have a dialogue. We've got to hear from them and understand their needs and and how they've got to make a living on the land, etc., but can we carve out enough ground? Can we keep enough associated grasslands around the water so that ducks can nest without being destroyed by predators, etc.? Those are all things that that are are part of the conservation strategy that's going into these these wetlands and and how we're working. And I think it's something like 90% now of all the ducks produced in the prairie wetlands are, are produced on private ground. So there really is no real conservation if we're not working with the private landowners farmers and ranchers it just can't be done on scale without them what
0: i love about the movie is that it carries a message of hope you know a lot of movies of this kind of like doom and gloom of how bad things are but there's a family in the movie i can't remember the i can't remember the names but they they it one of my favorite quotes in the movie the family at near the end of it said this year you can do both you can be good to the earth and produce food at the same time and i think that is an amazing quote. I think that's the challenge. I mean, for us in South Africa, I mean, we, you know, the habitat loss is a real challenge. And a lot of that is because of agriculture. And so it's a real, it's, it's an amazing quote. I love the way that there's this engagement between conservation and agriculture. I think it's it's, it's a real win over there.
1: Yeah. I, and I think you're seeing more and more of that. And and I, I think, you know, when when conservation looks at, at their partners like farmers and ranchers and, and says, how do we be a part of a solution for you? Are our, our programs like the Conservation Reserve Program good for you? If they are, well, we know they're good for conservation. They're good for wildlife. So let's work together to make sure we can pass that legislation, get that, that massive multi-million acre program renewed through the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And, and so when they do work together like that, it's amazing what can happen. But but it's it's just critically important that we do it. And, and of course, you're seeing disruption in in grain production from the Ukraine. And and so there's going to be a lot of demand on on more ag production across the globe. And uh, and so that's the challenge facing conservation right now is is how do we get that message through? And, and I believe that farmers and ranchers want to be good stewards. I, I think they are. They have been, and they want to continue to be the best stewards. But they need information. They need partners that understand what their needs and demands are. And, and let's face it, we all depend on them, right? We we all depend on food production as well. So uh, so we've got a vested interest in their success, not just as conservationists, but as food producers. So anyway, I, I think I think we're headed in the right direction. It's going to be it's going to be a challenge, and it's a it's a big ambitious deal. But that's part of that's part of the the mission of the film wasn't so much just to make a film it was to really create a movement to understand the importance of the prairie wetlands and this ecosystem you know to to people of course but to to birds and other wildlife to to clean air to clean water and uh, and understand that it's better to save the wetlands that we have than it is to try and come back in after the fact after they've been destroyed and reconstitute them because Every, every pothole, every wetland is a little miracle. I mean there's a it's a petri dish, uh, kind of a soup kitchen for for water birds that's evolved to have the right microbes and and, and crustaceans and and creatures and proteins and, and vegetable matter that that these birds need to, to not just survive but to thrive and And when you disrupt that when you when you drain them, when you plow through them, yeah, you can restore a wetland. But it takes a long, long time for it to come back to what it originally was. So it's far more cost effective to save what we have than it is to try and reconstitute what's been lost. And and that's part of the message as well of the film. So
0: every good film has to have a good story. So with watching the show today, I realized, you know, basically you tell the story through three different migratory species. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you the way in which you tell the story of the wetland in the movie?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's really following three different bird species that that might spend the winters in very divergent areas. You know, the yellow warbler is one of the species. This beautiful little yellow bird that goes all the way to the Central American rainforest to spend the the winter. The sandhill crane that's that's maybe down in New Mexico and and then you have the mallard duck that might be in a flooded bottomland in Arkansas in the winter but what do they do they all converge of course in the spring on the prairie wetlands to breed and to nest and so we we really just wanted to celebrate the fact that you've got to have a healthy flyway an entire flyway birds birds can't just spend the The spring and summer, you know, nesting in the prairies and then go to the wintering grounds. They've got to have habitat all along the way. So we've got to take care of all of that. But these prairie wetlands are such a signature, iconic, important ecosystem that that we focused on that by using the birds to help tell the story. And, And again, we've built an entire curriculum around this film which is going to go into something like 10,000 school systems in the United States. So we're taking content from the film, infusing that into into an educational program that's far reaching. And these films stay in market for up to a decade. And uh, so... It's opening in Taiwan. I'm sure it'll be in South Africa. It's opening all over North America. It's going into Europe. So people around the globe over a decade are going to learn about this amazing ecosystem. And and there's going to be all sorts of earned media that comes with that. Every time it opens in a a, a city, for instance, we just had a big premiere event in Pittsburgh at the Carnegie uh, Nature and Science Museum. And and Huey Lewis, the rock star whose song Power of Love is in the film, showed up. And, and we had tons of television coverage and 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 radio and, and newspaper coverage, etc. So we're able to tell the story of the prairie wetlands, not just in the film, but the film becomes the excuse to have a broader conversation uh, about the importance of this ecosystem, about the importance of, of what duck hunters have done to contribute to, to conservation in, in North America and and so it's it's been a, a really fun enterprise to see so much interest in this this amazing ecosystem that heretofore nobody's really heard anything about.
0: So you touched on Huey Lewis there. Um, what's really great about the film is you've managed to get some big names involved. And that Huey Lewis part where... You know, it's that that love scene is like was one of my favorite favorite parts of the movie. You have a big smile when you watch it. It really works so well in the movie. So tell us about there's another big name that's involved. So tell us how did you manage to get Huey Lewis and the other big name, how did you get them involved in your project?
1: Yeah, well, and Michael Keaton and, and who narrates the film for us, uh, you know, is as hot an actor as there is in the world right now, Golden Globe winner, Academy Award uh, nominee, etc. And and what do they have in common? They're they're both fly fishermen. They're friends of mine. We fly fish together, and they they both have a a real keen DNA in the fly fishing and, and conservation arena, and they've done a ton for conservation over their careers that a lot of people don't know about. So so going to uh, to these guys to see if they wanted to participate in the film was was pretty natural. I mean, who better than Birdman to narrate this film, right? I'm a bird photographer and bird
0: photography is difficult, but I've tried to do film I've tried to film birds before and it's impossible. The the film, the the cinematography and the camera work is absolutely spectacular. The how, how did you guys film the movie?
1: You know, once once we formed the idea of the film, then it was really a Finding the best team possible to create a, a, a just stunning bird film, and and uh, and we were able to do that really through, through uh, some some relationships in the production world that we had from television, et cetera, and and we brought in an Academy Award nominated uh, crew and and guys like Neil Reddig and and uh, Andrew Young are are really the top of the game and and really know how to make a film spent over 2 years making the film and and working with you know birds and and habitat systems building amazing tools to uh, to be in a marsh for extended periods of time to be able to capture really intimate portraits if you will of of bird life and and bird behavior and and so you know there's there's a few sequences in the film I won't give them all away but that are really extraordinary. I think when you see the great horned owl coming down on a, on a nesting mallard in the twilight of, of, of an evening and, and uh, understand that predator-prey balance and, and what it takes to sort of operate you know, or create a, a successful nest as a mallard in, in Prairie, Canada and, and North and South Dakota, uh, you know, it's just a really dramatic way to showcase that dynamic. And, and these filmmakers spent weeks trying to get that sequence. And uh, and yet it's only maybe 20 seconds in, in the movie, but it took a long, long time to get those extraordinary scenes. And that's really the magic of the IMAX format. It's it's typically, it's how do you take the the ordinary and make it extraordinary? In this case, we had an extraordinary storyline and, and habitat ecosystem. And so when you combine that with the the amazing production values of an IMAX film on an 80 by 60 foot screen, I mean, when you step into that theater, you feel like you've you've stamped your passport to the prairies of North or South Dakota or or Prairie Canada because it just it just immerses you into that ecosystem in a way that there really no other format can do. And you know, a lot of the camera angles are quite intimate. They get in quite close to
0: the bird and it's quite nice in the way like like a lot of people who who maybe don't have that connection to birds, who aren't birders or involved in conservation they don't always get close and i think what's nice about this it almost allows people to to have this intimate connection with the birds i mean i was the the flight photography the flight filming was absolutely amazing you're like right there with the bird it was absolutely breathtaking
1: yeah i mean to to get you know birds that that are are yeah flying alongside ultralights flying alongside drones with 3d cameras and again this film is is uh, shot in 3D. So when you see it in the, the full-on theater in 3D it's it's quite an impressive spectacle actually if, if you're at all interested in birds, there's really nothing quite like it, I don't think. And uh, but but yeah, it, it, getting the nesting sequences of a yellow warbler, I mean amounted to to really spending weeks of time moving a camera ever closer, setting up a couple hundred yards away, you know, kind of a tent, production center where you could monitor remotely, you know, what this camera is seeing. And and eventually the birds got habituated to the cameras where they weren't afraid of the cameras whatsoever. And, and you could be right next to the activity of, of nesting and, and watching the birds interact with the chicks, et cetera. And, and that just becomes, you know, that's just a, a time Absorbing and, and expense-absorbing phenomenon that that you you have to invest in if you're going to make an extraordinary film, and uh, and having you know the key producers like Andy Young and and Neil Reddick and Michael Mail and these guys who are really the best at what they do in the world, and uh, and, and bringing that A team to play was was really a key part of this whole thing. It's a movie about birds, and it's not a. It's not a comedy. It's not an action
0: film. It's not the new Top Gun movie. The question I want to ask is, how has this movie been received? You know, you've spoken of a couple of places where it's been released. How has have how people received the movie?
1: You know, there's about 50 million what are called bird watchers, bird lovers. They categorize themselves as that in the United States. And uh, between Audubon and Ducks Unlimited... And the Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation, another partner in the film, really the key partner in the film, they've been able to drive extraordinary interest at, at the chapter level. Every time a, a movie opens, we just did a big premiere event in, in Denver here at the Denver Nature and Science Museum, which is an extraordinary museum as well. And, uh, and it's amazing with, with hundreds of thousands of, of members, millions of members across at least North America, these organizations are able to drive an awful lot of interest in the film, and, and that's really translated to, to, as they say in Detroit, a lot of butts and seats. And you, you spoke about it
0: being in, um, released in Taiwan, and you said hopefully it's going to be released in South Africa. And what are some of the international countries that you're looking to release this into, and what sort of time frame? When can you know, people around the world listening to this, and hopefully South Africans, when can we hope to see this movie on, on an IMAX
1: screen? Well, it's it's moving right now. And uh, so it, it, I don't think it'll be long. It's it's now, I think, at about 25, 30 cities in the U.S. And every week, new cities are opening. And again, these are, these are nature and science centers, museums, uh, etc., where these films will stay in that theater for six months to a year. So they stay for a long period of time. And uh, and so that'll be going into Europe right now, and and once it, it makes its theatrical run, its its theater release, and it'll be about a year and a half, two years from now, we'll start looking at at international television distribution of the film as well, and and so it's it's going to be in kind of every platform available in a long long ser- long period of time, and the whole idea there again is to to really kind of brand the the prairie wetlands as this amazing ecosystem on a par with the importance of the amazon or the serengeti and and that's what this is all about so yeah we're 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 hopefully optimistic it's going to be around the world very quickly actually so last question i want to ask the movie is about
0: a wetland system in the united states why do you think the message of the movie carries relevance in other countries.
1: Well I think I think what you learn from this is, is just how ecologically important wetlands are. And and once upon a time around the world, uh, certainly in the United States, they were viewed as as a as a swamp, a sort of a God forbidden area that, that the best use was to drain it fill it and, and, and plant houses over it or shopping malls or, or whatever. But now we understand really the vital role that these, these wetlands play, you know, all over the world, whether it's for, for clean water, wildlife habitat, uh, flood mitigation, you know, and, and we've seen that where we've destroyed wetlands on our coastal, uh, ecosystems, then, then what you have are massive, you know, flood impacts and, and surges from storms that, that didn't used to exist because we had a buffer called these these wetlands and, and we've removed a lot of that. So we've got floods that are worse than ever. And, and so it's just really important that people around the globe understand how important wetlands are for all sorts of, of reasons. What website can people
0: go to to get more information about the movie?
1: I think it's just Wings Over Water Film. Dot com gives you lots of background on the film, the storyline, which theaters are, are carrying it, etc. So highly encourage you to use that.
0: Yeah so thanks Chris for your time. I will pop a link to the website in the in the comment section and people can go check it out but I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed it Adam. thanks very much. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take the time to check out the other resources we have on our website. If you have any other questions or comments, please drop us an email on info at thebirdinglife.com. All relevant links from the episode can be found in the notes to the show. Until next time, be blessed and happy birding.